This is Sunbelt Commissioner Keith Gill, and I listen to the Funbelt Podcast. If you didn't know before, now you know why they call this the Funbelt. Very excited about the Sunbelt. You know, while other conferences have been breaking up, our conference has become stronger. The state of Sunbelt football is the strongest in our history. I saw Funbelt Conference, and I'm like, I don't know what this is, but I got to join the show. It sounds a lot of fun. Welcome back to another exciting, riveting, awardless episode of Funbelt Podcast. My name is Jeremy Harper. I'm with HalRazor.com. He is Dusty Thibodeau. He's with the Warhawk Report. And the other guy is Shane Metlin. He is from the Daily News Record. Correct. <laughs> not the Daily News Review. Not the Daily News Ragnarok. Daily News Record. Hello, boys. How's it going, guys? Not too bad. Hey. Yeah. Warhawk's got a trophy. That's all that matters, Jeremy. Those the rumor is floating around that ULM is now a women's golf school. Wait, is that not? No, no, no. This second year for your head coach, right? Who you took from Arkansas State, just a little plug, but two years into the program, now a Sunbelt champion. Yeah, the change of scenery did her well. She now has a Sunbelt Conference title. Saw Keith Gill in the background as they were going to the playoff, sipping on his water, just (laughs) just ready to hand the trophy over. That is 100% awesome. You know, I thought that Arkansas State, by the way, was going to pull out the natty this weekend, Saturday night, came home from the spring game, sat down in front of ESPNU, where the National Bowling NCAA Championship was being aired live from Las Vegas between my Red Wolves and fellow Southland conference mate Vanderbilt. Girls, Red Wolves girls, jumped out to a 3-1 lead. It looked like it was in the bag, Shane. Tibbs, it looked like, finally, a national championship was coming to Jonesboro. Everybody was just anticipating it. Like it was like it was a done deal. Case closed. Vanderbilt would win the next three games and go out to become the national champion. While my Red Wolves, for the third time in bowling history, was the national runner up. You can't go dancing if you're not in the dance, Jeremy. At least they're there. Yeah, you know, that's true. Yeah, and, and the girls look good, you know, that they're young, not senior in the bunch. They're gonna be back next year. There's some all-stars on that team. It was fun, riveting to watch, guys. I mean, I had never been more nervous watching stuff. Like I've watched bowl games, big basketball games, whatever. But man, I was sweating, sweating watching these women, these women out there bowling their life, their just their hearts out. Making strikes, picking up difficult splits. It was awesome. And then, oh, to miss out on the championship, Shane. Oh my God. It just really hurt my heart. It hurt me right here, right here. It was tough. I can imagine. But, you know, it's one, of, I think it's one of those things where you keep knocking on the door. Eventually, you're going to knock it down. So, you know, it's a, you know, you get greedy, Shane. You get, 
you get damn greedy. You're like, hey, we've been here before. It's time. What's the holdup? Why can't we close escrow on this? What are we doing rolling a gutter ball? We rolled a gutter ball. Anyway. Did you fill in or something? <laughs> I should have. To down, at least offered some bowling tips, you know, like, yeah, shake hands with the head pin. That's what I would have told him, you know, shake hands. You know, Tibbs, I bet you bowl. You look like a guy who bowls. I was a uh, intramural bowler in college during my time on the bayou and also uh, <laughs> took bowling one and two <laughs> where I scored an A in both classes. Oh, uh, but did you also score? Uh, no, maybe okay. All right, you know, when I went to, to school, tell me if you guys did this, they offered like a, a, a square dancing class, and you're like, hey, that might be like a good class to meet girls. Yeah, you know, it's all elective, it's a little fun, and you're thinking, well, maybe the ratio of girls to guys might be in your favor but then you go the first day of class and you realize that everybody had the same idea all the guys had the same idea and so then you quietly drop out of that class did you guys ever like take a class like that that in mind uh kind of <laughs> it was a uh, sign language class but it was supposed it was when I signed up, it was going to count as a foreign language um okay. requirement. And then they they changed that before the semester began. And then so I was only in that class for a day. What kind of hippie dippity school did you go to where they counted sign language as a foreign language? Um the University of Kansas, which they did not do by the time I needed them to. So <laughs> the University of Kansas. I can't believe. What has become of that school trying to, 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 to shoehorn American Sign Language, which is a great, which is a beautiful language, but to, yeah. to say it's a foreign language? I don't know if I can. I well, can it's, it's not what became of it. They, they improved, supposedly improved things by, uh, but it, <clears throat> I didn't do so well in Spanish. So I was, it was, it was doubly bad for me. Or on the fact. That it was a, a good ratio in there. Let me ask you something, Shane. Do you follow or do you take any stock in the ESPN power index ratings? Uh, not really, not in the spring, especially. Uh, yeah. But what do they know? Yeah. I mean, what I think do they know? To them after teams start playing each other and you start. Yeah you know, crunching some actual numbers based on who beat who, but yeah, not, not a lot to take from it in the spring, but something to talk about. You, you know what cracked me up? What, what cracked that? you up? Let, let me guess, Jeremy. What yeah. cracked you up is who's number 127 in this ranking. I, no, no, no. I, I actually want to get back to that. I would like to get back to who's number 127. But what did crack me up is that there's always this effort, and tell me if I'm wrong about this, but like ESPN, they put out a graphic. The four schools, what are their chances of winning the national championship, right? Because they have the ESPN, FPI, and they kind of calculate all these dumb chances. And they had some like Alabama in there and Georgia, and maybe it was Clemson was in there. 
And then they also had Texas. Why is it that every year ESPN and CBS and, and Fox Sports, why is there this concerted effort every damn year to try to make Texas into something? They haven't been relevant, guys, since like the 80s. Why are we still insisting that Texas is a top top tier football school? What am I, I missing? I thought they were back. They got the nation's top recruit also in the uh, Archie Manning, who played at a small private Catholic school where it was uh, not necessarily the most elite of competition that they had to face. So I question that move. But you also have to remember the money. Where is Texas headed to? What network are we forced to uh, subscribe to and watch if we want to watch any of Texas's athletics? All right. Yes, that's a fair point. And very astute, Tibbs. But didn't Texas always have a bunch of money? I mean, it's not like Texas was living in poverty, even in the Big 12. They always had a bunch of cash. They could always grab whoever they wanted. They just cannot, kind like A-State Bowling. They cannot close it out when it means most. There's something going on with them. They, there's something in their heads. You know, they, here's what happens. Here's the trajectory of Texas. Every year, Texas, they rank Texas in the top 10. Ah, oh, Texas is back, we're told. Then they like, they have this like, like uh, they have a, they open the season with somebody like an Ohio or, or something like that. And they get beat, they get beat bad. It's like, well, you know, it's Ohio. So we can give Texas some slack. They're still a top 10 team, maybe top 15. They're a top 15 team. And then they lose like another game. And then they lose a couple conference games. And it takes it like six or seven weeks before America finally realizes that Texas isn't back. They finally drop out of the top 25. And then we have to do the whole charade all over again. Yeah, I could care less <laughs> about I mean, it, it's what the haves, the have nots. Give give me the G five all day, any day, and and we'll enjoy knowing where we are in the pecking order. Well, speaking just, of pecking order and the G five, um, that is a great segue, Tibbs, because the power index for ESPN also just came out for everyone, right? It wasn't just for the SEC and the Big Twelve. It's for everyone, right? It, it ranks all the teams from one to how many teams we have now, Tibbs? In the fun belt, we have uh, 14 teams. Not in the fun belt. One, I mean, all of of FBS college football. I think it's 133. Is it 133? That sounds right. Shane, you have the numbers. You're a reporter. Uh, Don't you have a Rolodex of, of information? 133. All right. Yeah. All right. I look to Shane to confirm it because I feel like Shane has his, you know, as a journalist, he's he's like the trusted source. Well, and Tim, sometimes I forget, but yeah. Tim, you're, you're like the Newsmax of the group. You know, you're just you're just wild conspiracy theories. But at least, but at least, uh, you know, Shane he brings real gravitas to the podcast. Anyway, okay, but anyway, the Sun Belt is also, you know, have we have our little rankings. If you had to guess, I, Shane and I kind of talked about this offline, but we'll ask you, Tibbs. Tibbs, if you had to guess, who is the highest rated, according to ESPN preseason football power index, 
who do you think that team would be for 2023? Troy is too obvious of an answer, and I think that they're the legit best team with most coming back next year. But I'm going to go with the hype train of South Alabama and the Jaguars. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I'm Because you and I love the Jaguars so much, I might have made that same mistake. But it's not. It's a team that's lost their lead running back. Had a good season last year, but then had times of just like just really troubling moments when they couldn't score. It's Marshall ranked at 66. Our top ranked team, according to the ESPN power <laughs> rankings, is 66. And it's Marshall Thundering Herd. Speechless. But <laughs> I, I already have visions in my head uh-huh. of Charlie Huff doing his huff shuffle on the sidelines. Oh. And that makes me laugh. Okay. And happy. Now, Troy does come in second, the obvious choice, right? Troy does come in second at 69th. So they got the premium number. Nice, right? <laughs> Troy, way to go. Got that lineman's number. Shane, if but you I- had to guess, I'm sure you already know, but if you had to guess, where in this constellation, where in the solar system do you think James Madison falls in. Um, a little bit lower than I would have guessed. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm cheating. I've got it up on my phone. <laughs> Damn it! But yeah, lower than I would have guessed. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, part of the reason I was saying before, I don't put a whole lot into this in the spring is because these aren't even the rosters these teams Absolutely. are necessarily going to have like by the time the season starts. I don't know where the data comes from. You know, I, I, it's kind of like any preseason poll. We just kind of remember what happened last year and then you kind of throw them in there. Like I, I already seen like a, a preseason top 25 poll. I forget where it was, but it had the usual suspects. And then like at 24th, you know, they throw in Tulane because they forget that, Oh, maybe we should have some G5 team in there. So they just kind of, Idly throw in Tulane. So Tulane's just squirted there at number 24. I I I that says I hate preseason polls. It gives us it gives people like you and me, Shane and Tibbs, gives us something to talk about and debate about, which is fine. I don't mind doing that. But really it just kind of it kind of muddies the water. It, it cooks the books for teams that don't really deserve to be there. Does Marshall deserve to be the highest ranked Sunbelt team? And does the highest ranked Sunbelt team, is it really 66? I, I don't know. That just seems, all these numbers seem way off to me. Yeah, I mean, because I assume it has something to do with, you know, who you beat last year. Obviously, the power conference teams, they probably beat somebody good in their conference last <laughs> year at some point. Um you know, it helps them out. I, yeah, we we all know uh-huh. the top team in the Sun Belt is going to finish higher than sixty six. They're going to be yeah. probably in the top twenty five. Uh, absolutely. Um, yeah, and you know, just kind of got to wait and see who it shakes out to be. I don't think it's crazy to have Marshall as the top team. I no, mean, it, other than the fact that, like, sort of surprised it's not Troy. <laughs> given what they're coming off of, they've, you know, finished the season 
they finished really strong. They went beat a good UTSA team in a bowl game. If you're basing it sort of on what they have back and what they did last year, you know, I don't understand the numbers, but Marshall should be in a solid spot. Their defense was amazing. They bring back their quarterback who wasn't spectacular, but I mean, I think having, con- having continuity at quarterback is always a big thing, mm-hmm. a big deal. Not every team has that. And so I'm not shocked that Marshall's one of the top two or three, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so too. I, I'm just a little surprised that it's Marshall and not, not Troy. And that South, even South Alabama and James Madison is, is sort of sit there, sitting in there in the middle. But if you had to guess, Tibbs, if you had a crystal ball and and maybe like a magic hat and perhaps an enchanted cane and you had to conjure up who would be the last ranked team in the Sun Belt, who do you think it would be? Tibbs, who do you think would be? The lowest ranked team in the Sun Belt, according to ESPN's power rankings. Old Dominion, because they don't exist. <laughs> That's true. They, I, Old Dominion is the is actually ranked the third worst team, and and probably rightfully so. Although you know, because they're losing their great big giant tight end. What was his name, Shane? Zach Coots. Yes, Zach Coots. The guy was what he was like. He was seven foot eight, six hundred pounds. He's going to be a huge target for whoever picks him up in the NFL. But no, it's not Old Dominion. So I'm going. You know what, Tibbs? I'm going to give you another guess. Who do you think? It, I'll give you a clue. It's someone near and dear to your heart. Something, a team that 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 whispers in your ear sweet nothings. Bouquets. <laughs> That's a good answer because that they are ranked next to last. The Texas Bobcats with their new coach and their new team from Incarnate Word ranked 121st in the nation. No, the lowest ranked team. It's, I'm a little bit surprised, Tibbs, as much as I like to give you hell for the Warhawks. The Warhawks. The lowest ranked team, according to the preseason football power index from ESPN. Is that fair? Is it, 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 it what is it? Is it, is it the third season for coach? Is it his third? Is it Terry Bowden's fourth season or third season? Third. This is the power season. How do you get away with disrespecting ULM like this? You lose your entire defensive line to the transfer portal. Or the NFL draft. Ah. You lose your quarterback in Chandler Rogers, who is now in Kusakusa or American with the Mean Green. Oh, I didn't realize that's where he had ended up. Um, so yeah, you're you're breaking in a lot of new components, a lot of staff continuity mm-hmm. on the defensive and offensive side, which is good, something they haven't seen in a while. But you're going to be breaking in a new quarterback, probably in Jaira Wright. Mm-hmm. Don't really have the established uh, running back. They did get the former four-star from Miami that signed. Yeah. Thaddeus Franklin the third. Oh, that's exciting. But you have a lot of unproven commodities that you just don't know what you're going to get. 
Now, did you check out the spring game? That happened like a year ago. No, no, it happened about a month ago, right? It happened two weeks ago, maybe last week. No, I was unable to attend. But I, I don't think that, like, like Shane said, that's not really the same roster, the same team that we're going to see when camp breaks in August. We've already seen several additional players jump into the portal that likely had some some snaps there at that spring game. So it's it's not really uh, indicative of what the season's going to be like. It doesn't really show you what the depth is like. It doesn't tell you anything other than, hey, look, there's uh, 22 guys on the field, and, and we're going to do that this fall. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I wrote in my review of Arkansas State spring preview or spring game, that you don't learn a thing from a spring game. You, you, hear, you kind of learn a couple things. You learn like, oh, so-and-so is suddenly on the s- second team instead of the first team. That might be like a lesson somebody's being taught. You know, if you mingle with the players, you see who's been really hitting the, the gym and and maybe who hasn't been hitting the gym. You, know, you, you kind of see the attitude of the players. Are they all business? Are they goofing around? Are they loose? Are they tight? But yeah, you're not really getting much. It's just kind of an excuse to get out and go to the stadium and enjoy a hot dog and be out in the sun and see the football team and and, and kind of start hoping, right? I think the one thing you do see that that maybe is the the small takeaway from the spring game, you'll see things like your quarterback and what mm-hmm. kind of touch do they have on the on the ball? Not necessarily how hard or how great it is, but what's his touch on those deep routes? Because we all want to see the fly routes at the spring game. So how good is that touch that he has? How in sync is he with his receivers kind of early on when they're going through it? I think those are the bigger takeaways than actual, oh, look, you know, we don't have a a, a right guard because he was <laughs> uh, laid out all, all game long. I don't I don't think you make those kind of decisions until probably even week two of the regular season. You could be right. You also you, you can kind of see if there's a rapport being established between the quarterback and certain wide receivers, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, okay, so and so they really he has a real connection with with wide receiver X. So we can look out for that. But you're right. For the most part, you don't really learn anything until the summer. You do see a little bit about the quarterback. The quarterback needs to be a little more developed. You're absolutely right about that. So the top five teams that the, that ESPN picks is Marshall Troy, App State. App State's always up there, even though they had a really down season. The Cajuns, they come in fourth. And then Coastal Carolina, no one, I guess that's just this uh, based on the strength of, of uh, Grayson McCall coming back. And then South Alabama rounds it out. And then you don't get to James Madison until after Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern, way up there. I think of, of all the teams that are on this list, Georgia Southern probably makes the biggest leap. Is, is Georgia Southern really kind of in the mix as a as a Sun Belt heavy this year, Shane? It'll be interesting to see. I mean, we talked about it before. We kind of thought they were ahead of schedule being, you yeah. know, in contention, you know, or competitive this year when they were putting in a completely different offense than anybody in Statesboro had ever seen before and 
but they're in the same boat as a lot of teams where they're going to be replacing their quarterback again. So, I mean, the, these rankings, part of the reason to me, it like doesn't make, doesn't mean that much is we don't know much about quarterback position in a lot of these schools. Mm-hmm. I mean, ODU, I would, we we're talking about them, you know, their starter goes into the transfer portal before spring practice is over. And Ricky <laughs> Ronnie on the uh, coach's call the other day was basically like, yeah, well, we're going to get a transfer in here now, like before fall. So like, they don't even know. They have no idea who their quarterback is going to be. Um, you know, places like yeah. you mentioned ULM, JMU, Georgia Southern. It's all okay. Will this new transfer be as good as we hope he's going to be? And you don't know yet. You may get a Todd Santeo or you may not. Yeah. And that's the thing, Shane, too, with the Sun Belt, there's something about the Sun Belt that no other conference has, and that's entropy. It's complete chaos when it comes to the Sun Belt. Last year, we had a bunch of young quarterbacks come in, had no idea how they were going to perform. And a lot of those guys performed at a very high level, which was very surprising. And that can happen once again with, with the Sun Belt. You Sun Belt, you never know. I don't even know why they bother with these rankings. It just makes ESPN look like fools. That's my opinion. I don't know. I'm guessing, you know, I'm not good at math. I'm guessing it has a lot to do with the amount of production you have coming back. Probably. So you look, you look at a team like Coastal yeah. and, you know, just the fact that Grayson McCall is coming back, then your offensive numbers look good. Like you're bringing back a huge percentage of your offense and that's got to help, yeah. I would think. Whereas like a JMU, they lose Centeo, they lose – Percy Ajay Obase, those are the guys that put up huge numbers for them. You know, um, the receivers. Yeah. I think they've got guys, you know, the next man up thing to replace those guys, but you don't have any numbers to crunch with the people who are going to be starting at their skill positions this year. Not enough data. Yeah. Speaking of data, Thibodeau, do you have a baseball update? Raging Cajuns beating number one LSU headed into the ninth inning. Ooh. Wow. That'd be a nice feather for our cap. I've got a baseball update. Arkansas State down one run in the eighth inning to Ole Miss, who was the number one ranked team. I'm not sure where Ole Miss is right now, but they are the defending champions. Playing Ole Miss in Jonesboro tonight. That's kind of a unique relationship that we have with uh University of Mississippi, we come down there, they come over to us. We do that about every year. I've been doing that for a very long time. But right now, they've got a one-run lead on Arkansas State. What else you got, Tibbs? So we've talked about the championship there that ULM won. It's almost championship season on the diamond with yeah. the Marshall Thundering Herd still leading, or excuse me, still in second place in the softball standings. Shane and I, because you didn't want to partake in it, we caught up with KD from Thundercast to talk everything Marshall, and he's going to break it down for us and tell us all about the Thundering Herd, what it was like coming in, their successes this past year, and everything in between. Shane, you joined us about a year ago on Fun Belt Podcast, correct? Yeah, I guess it's been about a year. Time flies when you're having fun. You know what else happened about a year ago? 
all hell in the Sunbelt broke loose as we brought in over half, it seems like, of Conference USA to save them from that sinking ship. And that included Marshall. And I think we even had the conversation, was Marshall going to be a good fit? Were, were they going to carry their own weight? And and you in true fashion, because you like to alienate every fan base, were like, no, they're not going to do it. But then <laughs> what, what, what happened this past year in football, Shane? I I don't remember saying that, but yes, uh, of course, you know, Marshall is going to carry their own weight because not only is it a historically good football program, it's a great fan base. And I'm not going to anger the Marshall <laughs> fan base because you see the way they turn out for everything from basketball to soccer to football. Like, yeah, of course it was going to be a good fit for the Sun Belt. So we had to bring in somebody else then, Shane, j- just to make sure that we were holding you accountable the Thundercast also started about a year ago, covering yeah. the thundering herd of Marshall. KD joins us. Welcome in, KD, to the Fun Belt Podcast. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. It's, I do listen, by the way. Uh, this is That's a regular on the uh, playlist on the way to work every week. So uh, I try to stay in tune with what's going on around the Sun Belt. But thanks for inviting me. Uh, I wish my partner in crime could be here. But, you know, you get one of us. I guess that's better than none of us, right? See, Shane, there, there's our other download we get every week. Yeah. <laughs> so, Katie, take us back real quick. As, as we talk about uh, last year, what was it like on campus and, and around the Marshall fan base as y'all got ready to come into the Sun Belt? Because for the longest time, you know, I think we all focus on the the great Tommy McClellan, the AD of, of Louisiana Tech, talking about uh, the Raging Cajuns and how they should uh, aspire to be in Conference USA because the Sun Belt was lower. But I think that's really flipped the script. But what did Marshall kind of see on the outside coming in? Well, we should back up a little further and talk about when that crop of schools left the Sun Belt in 2013-14, right? Because they moved to Conference USA, and then the schools that the Sun Belt then brought up, App States and and these and these teams that had Georgia Southern that had like historically strong programs and fan support. We, a lot of us in in the herd, you know, fan base thought that's what we should have done. You know, they went after markets and they thought it was going to translate and it didn't translate. And, and the Sunbelt went after programs that were established that cared and fans that cared. And, and you see, it took a little while, right. To get to where you're at, but that was the winning strategy. And we really, a lot of us thought, man, that, that we should have went after app. We should have went after Georgia Southern and these Southern conference teams that Marshall had big history with already back when they were a one double a school too. But uh, to answer your question, when it started with the smoke of will we join the Sun Belt, I think everybody kind of perked up because for years we were we felt like we were just miring in mediocrity in the Conference USA. The conference as a whole was just kind of existing, you know, and they would have some flashes here, a good football team there, a, a great basketball team there that made some noise in the tournament. And but ultimately it was like it's it's just hard to get up for this you know we we don't feel like we should be playing teams like north texas i mean like there's no affiliate nothing against north texas but how do you get up for a game in denton texas when you're in huntington west virginia right and and the longest was like man we need to be closer to uh regional teams so fans can drive to these games again that's what makes college sports so great and that's what we're seeing right you're one in the sun belt you're talking about attendance is is great at all these games. Visiting fans are traveling better, and and uh, it became destinations each week. Like this JMU Marshall game is going to be awesome. You know this App State Marshall game is going to be great, 
And even the midweek, I felt like when Louisiana came for the midweek in Huntington, folks got up for that, you know, and, and that's not a team that we've had very much history with. They had the bowl game and, and um, there was probably some revenge factor there that they wanted to get a win over Louisiana and, and them being a conference champion and all that kind of stuff. But the excitement level just went through the roof when the uh, possibility to join the Sun Belt was there. And then when they announced that we joined, it was like this fresh breath of air into the academic or the athletic programs. Everybody was like, yes, you know, and, and it really reignited this fan base. They were excited, especially some of the older fans. I won't say like old, old, but like those Southern Conference fans that were students then, they were pumped to be back with teams like App State and Georgia Southern and try to build new rivalries with teams like James Madison and, and, uh, you know, continue to play teams like Southern Miss that we had a long run with in in the Conference USA. So it was great. The vibe in Huntington was great when that news came down the pipeline. Yeah, you you mentioned you mentioned the you know kind of establishing a rivalry with James Madison. Um, I don't know if people even realize you know it's it's a stone's throw to the West Virginia border from the JMU campus. Now there's not very many people in that part of West Virginia, but yeah. I mean it's it, you know kind of has a border war type of feel to it. You also mentioned the midweek game. They're going to play that midweek national televised game this season in Huntington. I think JMU fans are super excited about that. It'll be their kind of first experience with that, you know, midweek ESPN thing. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a rivalry that JMU fans have been really excited to kind of establish because it is that school that you kind of look at as a peer, a similar place, similar, you know, mountain community and, um, you know, it's not that far away. And I think, uh, you know, it was a good atmosphere in Harrisonburg this year. I don't know if you were there. Um, no. Russ was. I know, and I know, uh, I know people at JMU are really looking forward to going to Huntington, you know, this fall. Yeah. I, I think uh, of all the teams that are in the Sunbelt East, uh, you know, there are going to be fans that just love App State. They, wanna, they want to uh, just – rebuild what was once very fierce in in the early and mid 90s in the southern mm-hmm. conference but uh, the younger fan i think the current student they really have embraced james madison as um what could be something really big the games have been really good football was really good the basketball games were really good i mean this is going to translate across multiple sports to where i think folks um can really get invested in a team like james madison as a rival to marshall and it, I think it's 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 podcasts like what you guys do and what we do that that cover all the sports. So they're always getting the 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 news from whatever sport is being matched up, you know, so you can kind of get a little bit closer to the action, learn the players uh, from, you know, not just football and basketball, but, you know, softball, baseball. These are going to be big deals. And you know, Huntington, we have prided ourselves for so many years, way, way back to my earliest experiences with Marshall it's we want people to want to come back to Huntington. If you come to Huntington, we want you to have such a good time. Even if you go in and lose the game, we want you to go, man, we lost the game, but that was a great trip. I'm coming back. So herd hospitality is a real thing, you know, and, and, and I know it exists other places too, but that's a real thing. We want people to make that trip to Huntington, feel good about it and want to come back. So for the JMU fans and any other fans that are making the trip for the first time, to Huntington, you could expect to be warmly welcomed and then be bitter enemies for, you know, opening whistle to closing whistle and then be um, 
welcomed again back to the tailgate for another great time and another second plate of food and all that good stuff. So I encourage everybody to make the trip. You'll have a great time. You will not regret it. It's definitely a place that's on my bucket list is going to Huntington. And even before they came into the Sunbelt, it's a place I always wanted to go to a game. But let's talk about last year, football. Okay. Uh, anything big happen, you know, during the season? <laughs> well, uh, you can see, kind of big during the season, yeah. Probably the biggest news that most Sunbelt fans uh, were intrigued by was leading into week one, right? The the uh, the injury to Rasheen Ali, because you know, we were taken surprised by that too. But uh, yeah, I would say the uh, out of – some would say out of nowhere emergence of running back Kalen LeBorn, right? Big, uh, a big uh, five-star, former five-star guy, Florida State commit, transfers. Norfolk guy, Tidewater guy, right? Comes to Huntington and has a great season. Um, Charles Huff, I think, really took a step up with this herd program. He took, well, I say he didn't. He took the program to the next step up. Um, a winning record, another bowl game, his first career bowl win as a head coach. Have a, co- a quarterback change midseason. And, oh, yeah, by the way, let's talk about beating Notre Dame, right? That's a big deal. So there was a lot of storylines in uh, 2022 for the Herd. I mean, I'll be glad to talk about all of them. Which one you want to go with? Yeah, I, I think the biggest one. I mean, we were coming into the season, uh, Rashid Ali. I mean, he was at Sunbelt Media Days, uh, coming off of a 1,000-yard true freshman year, uh, rushing. What, what was he going to do next? And then all of a sudden – he is no more. Did we ever find out kind of, was it injury? Was it off the field or what it was that kept him out and sidelined? It finally came out that it was injury, you know, and, but they were just keeping it really close to the vest. And, um, you know, the, uh, from what we gather that his family didn't really want it out there and Marshall obliged, right? Why would, why would they go against those wishes? So we saw what we didn't see. We already knew what Rasheen can do, but I think some of the other Sunbelt schools got to see what he could do towards the end of the season. He came back and played three games, including that bowl game. And he just brings something different to the table, man. He's just a different type of runner. And he was, it was unquestionably going to be his team going into 2022. I mean, he led the nation in touchdowns the year before in 2021. Why wouldn't you think it was going to be his team? And he goes down and we were left thinking, okay, well, what do we do? You know, new quarterback. We got a running back that we think could have been a really good compliment to Rasheem, but now he's going to be running back one. He goes out and rushes for 1,500 yards. I mean, dang, that's a good problem to have. So we, what we really had wanted to see, we only got to see once or twice at the end of the year, which was the, you know, uh, Rasheen Ali and uh, Kalen Laburn backfield together. And, man, if that would have went all year long, whoa, boy, this might have been a different team you're talking about, at least from a wins and losses standpoint. Because uh, let's face it, guys, for – numerous weeks throughout the season teams knew that if they could stop Kalen LeBorn they could beat Marshall and they couldn't do it so uh, some teams were able to have some success but uh, ultimately you tried to gang up and stop number eight and most teams were not successful in doing that so uh, the midweek following the midweek we got the quarterback change redshirt freshman Cam Fancher takes the reins goes six and one down the stretch first undefeated November for Marshall football in a long long time and we ended up on a on a on an upswing, you know, a bowl a bowl win against UConn in the Myrtle Beach Bowl down at uh, Conway. So lots to be excited about, man. Lots to be excited about heading into twenty twenty three. I mean, talk a little bit more about you know the quarterback change you mentioned. Um, I think I, I would imagine the expectations for Sonny Columbia coming in were fairly high, and 
maybe he never quite quite um met those but cam fancher steps in and does a pretty admirable job and now it kind of looks like it's his team going into next year i would say if i had to well we've heard huff say if if the season started tomorrow cam would be the guy right but because he's got all the experience it's it's cam fancher and a bunch of freshmen that haven't taken meaningful snaps we played six quarterbacks in the week one game you know against uh Norfolk State, I think it was last year, but that was just kind of to get everybody in. You know what I mean? So nobody's taking really meaningful snaps right now. But yeah, you get the you get the transfer in Columbia, and you're thinking, okay, at least this is a guy that's been in some big spots. He's he's not going to get rattled in, in in any environment. I mean, you're talking about a Big Twelve guy who's played in some really big stadiums in front of some big crowds. And I don't know what the overall expectation was. I just figured we would have a seasoned quarterback that could manage our offense. And they were going to lean heavily on Rasheen, and that was just kind of what it was going to be. And then Rasheen goes down, and it changes the dynamic almost instantaneously, if not instantaneously. So now it's like, well, what do we do? And we've heard to, uh, Huff talk about it before that that Cam and and Henry were just different different uh, quarterbacks. You know, um, Cam had more of the penchant to tuck the ball and run when the pressure came on, and and Henry. Uh, was always trying to make something happen. And you can't take anything away from Columbia. I mean, Jiminy Christmas, he led him to a victory against Notre Dame on the road. What more can you ask for, right? So I think it just became a point to where you're game six of the season or game after game six, you're sitting there at three and three, and you're thinking, all right, we got to do something. What are we going to do? And they make the switch. And luckily, Cam comes in, provides a spark. His first start ever was on the road at James Madison, you know, and they go in and get that win. Yes, and Teo wasn't in the game, but – for those that were at the game or remember that game, the hurt defense was like stifling. You know, they they were really, really dominant in that game. And Cam goes on the road and gets a win. He does just enough to get the win. And each week he gets better and better and better. And he, you can see him develop in real time. So it's, I think, yeah, he has the leg up for 2023 right now. I have no idea who's going to be the number two. You know, um, there's just a laundry list of guys that could be that guy. And uh, I think I think the um, I don't know the feel good choice in most fans' minds they want to see that next Pennington have some game game action <laughs> you know uh, and Cole's a pretty good quarterback let's let's not just say he's Chad Pennington's son he's Cole Pennington the quarterback so he's uh, he's he's got the ability he's got the talent and I think you know fans just want to see that nameplate enter the game. Uh, at some point so interesting it's interesting I, i'm looking forward to see how they look on the, in the spring game on saturday are you going to dress up a random receiver regardless of talent level as an 84 just just to when he enters that there's an 84 running a fly route well uh i don't know uh i'm assuming you're talking about moss right of course well okay well let me let me let me let me fix that slight error 84 is the minnesota vikings number 88 is the marshall number Oh. 88. So, um I don't know. Uh I don't know. I I know they they don't they haven't like retired that number or anything. Um but I don't know. I feel like if I were a wide receiver, I don't know that I'd want to wear 88. <laughs> Cuz that that comparison is always going to be there, but uh we'll, we'll see. I don't know. I don't know. I think maybe these guys like wearing the single digits nowadays. I don't know exactly what we're going to do, but uh what a, what a time to be a herd fan, man! That's late '90s was pretty awesome. That's when I was a student, so I I saw it uh, firsthand. It's 
I mean, as a matter of fact, if you want to go even farther back, we went to the same high school. So I was watching Moss in high school, too. So I was no stranger to his talent. I got to see it firsthand for a number of years. So you were featured also in the Randall U uh, documentary? (laughs) I didn't have a speaking part, but yes, I was actually in that in some of the... uh, like the high school clips that they show, yeah, I I am in one of those shots, but I did not get a credited role nor a paycheck. Yeah, I, I, I was gonna <laughs> throw it on and see if we could like find him in the credits. I know exactly that. where I'm at, but I I would prefer that that not make its way to um, the world, I guess. <laughs> so obviously, we we knew the year in football was going to be an amazing year, but it really carried over men's basketball. Leading the conference a lot of times. I think at one point they were the highest rated net team in the league. Do you feel that it was that football success that really carried over in the basketball? Or was this just the year that D'Antoni had a good team? No, it was a um, it was a combination of a couple of things, right? Because if you look at the record the year before, Marshall wasn't very good. It was like a nine-win team or a 12-win team or something like that. And uh it was it was two two main things, I think. If you want to point to two or three things, number one is they go out and recruit Micah Hanlockton, right? Turns into being the Sunbelt Freshman of the Year, the dominating, dominant force down low for blocks, rebounds, that type of thing that Marshall had lacked the year before. And they hit the portal and they get Cam Kerfman, the sniper sharpshooter that fits D'Antoni's style of play that can just bang the three ball from any point on the court, basically. So you add those two pieces, and it uh, it what it did was it allowed every other player that was there to shift back to a more natural role for them. And we saw Tavion Kinsey do what Tavion did this year. You know, ends up being some belt player of the year. Andy Taylor took his game to another level, and um, Obina Anichili Killen was able to do more of what he's comfortable doing. And now the depth from Jacob Connor, Wyatt Fricks, and guys like that just kind of trickled down and and it all factored into this big turnaround. But I think if you're going to point to two things, it would be being able to recruit that force down low, that defensive presence down low in Hanlockton and uh, going to the portal and getting Kerfman, which freed everybody else up to do what they more naturally do better. And we saw an extreme turnaround in the win-loss column for Dan Tony. Yeah. Baseball also continuing to strive statistically second place just behind the Raging Cajuns, sitting at an 11-2 record. Excuse me, softball. Why are we t- We're talking the wrong diamond there. Baseball is the complete opposite. So we'll, we'll focus on softball right now, okay. right behind the Raging Cajuns. And, you know, I've always said, if you can finish middle of the pack in Sunbelt Conference softball, it was actually a pretty good year. But the herd, once again, rising to the occasion there, sitting at second. What have you seen this year out of that uh, softball team? Well, it was a good team last year, right? But it was built a little bit differently. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of what they did was the home run ball, you know. And then uh, through transfer and exhaustion of eligibility, they lose two of the most prolific home run hitters in program history, right? Allie Harrell's now the first base coach, and she was one of those that exhausted eligibility. Maya Stevenson hit the portal and now plays for Ole Miss, but it, so it was going to be a reworked type team and we talked to coach Megan Smith a couple of times about that like what do you think we're going to look like what are we trying to do and and she said we're going to be a little bit different we're going to we're going to rely more on um, hits and running bases and manufacturing type of runs and we're going to be a speedier team and that's something that they had never really been in her tenure at Marshall and and 
we see the success of that this this year. Uh, they lead the Sun Belt in a lot of uh, offensive and uh, pitching statistics. But it's it. I don't know. They went out and hit the portal also, and they brought in some players that were some instant impact um, type players. Most notably, I think would be shortstop Sydney Bickle. She comes over from I want to say Louisville, and she's just been gangbusters over on that right over on that uh, left side of the field from a defensive standpoint. She bats in the number two hole. She's leading the conference in triples. I mean, she's just a completely dominant player, and she's really good at what she does. So that 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 was a um, an element that allowed Marshall to become really strong up the middle, in addition to what was already there. So you got a you got a fifth year in in, this, in center field and Grace Chelleman, who announced early on that she was coming back, and and we knew then that's going to be a key component to what Marshall needs to do. And she's faced with being uh, batting in the lineup right behind Autumn Oak, you know, and, and Autumn's leading the the conference. I think she's leading the conference in home runs still. Um, and all of these statistical offensive categories. So a lot of folks might think, ooh, I don't know if I want to be there, you know, but she took it ahead on. And um, we're seeing big play after big play from Grace Chelleman, Autumn, which I've talked about, is having a breakout season. I mean, here we are with how many games left, guys? At least a dozen, probably, if you factor in uh, Sunbelt Conference championships. And Autumn has tied, if not broken, the all-time single-season RBI record. I mean, she's having a hell of a season this year. And that's just a couple of players. You know, the Alex Coleman, leadoff hitters, leading top two maybe in um, stolen bases, leads the conference in hits. There's just really not a weak link in this herd lineup, and it's really, really fun to see. And then when you talk about defensively, you know, Sydney Nestor, I call her the smoking gun because she's freaking good, man. She came over – uh last year in the portal and all she did was come out and be you know the conference usa pitcher of the year and newcomer of the year and we wondered a little bit how would she be able to repeat that success and she's having a repeat performance year you know 20 wins already tied second or not tied second but second in the conference and um leads in era she's up there in strikeouts and innings pitched they're, they're, they're just got a lot of weapons i implore folks to try to find a true weak link on this herd roster I just don't think it's there. They're a really complete team. Uh, Megan Smith and her staff have done a phenomenal job building this roster into what it is and this team into how dominant they've been. I mean, dang, man, 36 and five, you know, 11 and two in conference, one behind Louisiana, which we have high praise for on the Thundercast. You know, that win streak they've got or that uh, series win streak they've got going in the SBC is remarkable. Uh, so to be in that position right now, I mean, we're we're pumped for it. We said in the very beginning, this could be a cornerstone program for Marshall going into the Sun Belt, and the Sun and the softball team has not uh, disappointed. They they've proven that they can be you know one of those top three four programs for the herd in this conference. So the flip side of that, as I alluded to, baseball, who is rough, second from the bottom there in the standings, but a new coaching staff, a new staff. Is is this just that he was hired? too little too late to try to effectively put this roster together is there a talent gap or, or what is going on with herd baseball well let me ask you one easy question what's the biggest recruiting tool that you have you know for a baseball program right a home park and we don't have that so what a massive eight ball to be behind right you can't even recruit to a home stadium yet it's being built right now in huntington you know 
And uh, first pitch would, is supposed to be next March 2024. But that's tough. I, I mean, what an uphill recruiting battle to try to get guys year in and year out to recruit uh, to a school that you know doesn't have their own quote-unquote home field. You know, they play games at a local field that's 15 minutes up the road, and they play some conference games down in Charleston, West Virginia at Gomart Park. It's a minor league field, but that's an hour away, you know. And there have been years past during the Conference USA era, we were playing games not only in Route 2, not only in Charleston, but we were also playing games in Beckley, which is like two hours away from, from Huntington. So what a massively uphill battle. But give us a couple of years, okay? Yeah, we know baseball is a big deal in the Sun Belt. But uh, having some of those resources in place that other teams have and have had for a long time will be huge for the herd. I mean, dang, uh, Greg Beals was a very successful coach at Ohio State. He was there for a dozen years, won the Big Ten a couple of times, uh, you know, went to – couple of postseason tournaments a couple of times and all that good got all that good jazz and i think we've got you know the the base there we need some of these tools that other teams have so is it going to be instant no of course not and we know that but uh, a few years down the road i don't think Marshall baseball is going to be near the bottom of the sun belt i, I, I don't i think the excite the, the investment in the program is there the stadium's finally being built people are going to rally around this program more so than they do already and the the ability of this coaching staff to recruit and retain the players that are still really good. We do have some really good players. It's just it's just going to take a little while, you know, just like anything else. But I think once the pieces are in place or more of those pieces are in place, you'll see a more competitive Marshall Thundering Herd baseball program. Look, I get it for sure. You know, with ULM, we have definitely uh, our own struggles there. It's just always uh, anxious to see what it's like on the other side and, and where those struggles lie. Shane, are we going to have Metland Stadium at Thundercat Field? Are, <laughs> are, are you cutting the check? I, I, if I had the funds, I would. Because, yeah, I, I, f- I feel bad for any team that has to drive all the way to Beckley from Huntington. I, I That's right. You know, that's like the halfway point for JMU to uh, to Huntington. That's 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 the haul. So see? I got to be honest. I, I don't know much about West Virginia. Mm-hmm. But during COVID, I found the West Virginia Tough Man competition fights. And so <laughs> I know that they're in Beckley. They're in several of the other towns. And that is part of what I want to experience when I go to a Thundering Herd game is we got to go to a Tough Man competition. Well, I mean, those are scheduled, right? So it's not like they're just in somebody's backyard. <laughs> I mean, there might... I don't know what what's going to happen at any given tailgate at any given time. I mean, things happen when there's sports and emotions and adult beverages in place, but I've never been at a, at a tailgate where a tough man competition broke out. <laughs> well, 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 Katie, we, we, we got to schedule it. We'll, we'll make it happen this upcoming season that we'll find the Friday night preliminaries for the tough man competition. Go check out the herd on Saturday <laughs> and just make a full weekend of it. Hey, whatever floats your boat, man. I, that's that's cool. I'm sure you can find a, uh, I'm sure you can find a good fight somewhere. I mean, I'd I'd prefer it to not be around the game day experience, but uh, that 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 doesn't really lend itself to. Yeah, I think I want to go back to Huntington. I, I had a great time. I got beaten up and and you know got a good meal. It was great. That's not really fit, fitting in my wheelhouse of a game day experience. We do it a little differently in Louisiana. <laughs> I guess so. Katie, thank you so much for joining us on Fun Belt Podcast. 
welcome back anytime you want. Uh, definitely looking forward to seeing what the herd can do as we come to the close of softball season. Get ready for Sunbelt Media Days in July, as well as the upcoming 2023 season. No, man, thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Maybe next time we do this, we'll have, you have the opportunity to get both of us on here, Russ and myself, and uh, you just get the, the full Thundercast experience. But I would like to say if, uh, if you guys want to find out more about the herd and what we do, you can follow us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod. We put out episodes every week, and uh, we just have a good, good time promoting the herd. Looking forward to seeing all you guys that make the trip in Huntington. Whenever you come to Huntington, you got to find the Thundercast tailgates at all the football games. If you're coming in town for a basketball game or anything like that, you got to get in touch with us because we want to uh, link up with you and show you a good time while you're in town so that you will come back for another game. So uh, there we have it. Shane and I talking about not me, West Virginia and Huntington. Yeah. And Jeremy, we're, we're, we're signing you up. <laughs> the fight tough man competition ah uh, have you ever been in a fight tibbs like a real fight i'm not talking about wrestling with your cousins or whatever or having like a little pushy pushy fight on the playground i'm talking about like a real brawl where punches are thrown we were dumb drunk kids in fraternities in college yeah it happened a time or three or four yeah yeah how'd you do were you all right did you hold your own Sure. How about how about you, uh, Shane? Never been into a rumble? Not really. Even in college, it always kind of ended up sort of like sort of like a baseball brawl where everybody kind of goes out there and like acts like they're gonna fight and then waits for somebody yeah. to hold them back and uh, hold and me it, back. It never it never really got <laughs> super serious. Yeah, I've I've been in a couple fights, and they've always been a result of my brother Rex Steele always saying something to the wrong person, me stepping in, and then I'm the one fighting. I've been in a couple of those. And I always lost. I am a horrible, I am horrible in a fight. I'm not good in a fight. So if you guys like Shane and Tibbs, if we're in New Orleans for uh, media days, and we're like on Bourbon Street, and some guy wants to like fight, you can't count on me to be of any assistance. Tibbs, that's why I'm glad to hear that you know you, you you've been in the thunder you know you've been you've seen the shit you know how it is to throw hands i'm glad you would be there to protect shane and i because apparently shane has never been in a real fight you on the other hand well Shane's a sensitive journalist he he his weapons are words they're they're, they're not his fists but you you're a man who, who is not afraid to get his his knuckles bloody am i right yeah sure why not Speaking of bloody knuckles there, Jeremy. Yeah. One thing that we haven't talked about, and uh -huh. if you remember, we were talking with uh, somebody. Was it Chris Vanini where he said that the A-Sun WAC merger was never going to happen? I think it was Vanini who said that. And he was very dismissive about the whole process. And yet... We have the UAC. <laughs> the United athletic conference coming soon oh. to gas station tvs on the reverse side of the conference usa television broadcast <laughs> uh that sounds great that sounds almost like a religious news station or uh something similar but yeah that's great i think they're only playing football right i, I think that's the initial plan i think that they will uh expand out 
it, it's interesting though to, to see is this what other conferences and people were talking about back in 2000 when the Sun Belt said, hey, we're, we're a basketball baseball conference, we're going to add football now. Were, were, were these the same jabs and, and, the, and the same mm. discussions that were happening or, or, or are we just are we uh, the assholes talking about it? Oh my God, you mean plus has become minus and minus has become plus. We are now the assholes. Because, yeah, that's probably how people talked about us back in 2000. Oh my God, Shane. We are the dickheads. Tibbs, thanks for, for open, <laughs> removing the scales from our eyes. Because we are kind of dicks about it, right? We're like, <laughs> I guess we're just going to play football. I don't know what, who they're going to play. Look at us. Have, are we so high and mighty? I mean, we're in the sun belt for God's sakes. How, how do we become this way? We might as well be P5. Be those kind of jerks. <laughs> I'm okay with that. And, and, and... You know, I, I kind of am too. Yeah, I, tell you the truth. I love being smug. Let me tell you something, guys. Like when Arkansas State is playing great football or basketball or whatever, I love being that smug guy. I want to be that smug guy again. And if it means I have to be smug about this new football conference coming out, I'm going to do that. I need to get my smug high. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sorry. It's, it's going to come at your expense, uh, UCA and whoever else is in this, in, this, in this group. But you're just going to have to accept it. You know what it's time for? Well, it's time for bed because uh, you guys keep me up way too late for this. And on the East Coast, where Shane is, it's like it's like past midnight. Here, it's it's almost ten o'clock. It's rough. Get off my get off my lawn, Jeremy. <laughs> it is time. Okay, let's see if I get it right. Plugs, promos, and parting shots. And Tibbs, I'm going to make you go first. I actually have none of the above. I, I am completely unprepared for it. Um, what? You're always prepared. I just want you to know that I thoroughly enjoy doing the show. I think that we oh. are on the cusp of greatness, even though we were not selected to win our oh. national award that we were up. Go figure that it was Mike Golick because he <laughs> needs that much more TLC than the little guy that no independent podcast won. Sure, we were shortlisted, so we were what top ten? Whoop de doo! It, it it still feels very much P five G five haves v have nots. I wish I had his budget so that we could one day bask in the glory of beating a bunch of little independent podcasts out. It's like handing Nick Saban an, another trophy for Coach of the Year. Hey, here you go. You you probably needed that. Put that on your LinkedIn. Yeah, we could have used that. Are we not forthright enough? Are we not, you know, off? Are we not wacky enough? Are we not unhinged enough for the podcasting community to accept us into their trophy case? What did we do to deserve this dishonor, Tibbs? Probably talking too much uh, Idaho in our mm -hmm. initial uh, discussions and yeah. uh, probably still having to talk about uh, Arkansas State Red Wolves. At least the bowling probably didn't help. No. You know, I thought adding Shane to the mix would give a, elevate us to a little bit of celebrity that we desperately needed, but 
That didn't happen, Shane. Yeah. I don't know. I, honestly, though, rating. I was kind of I was kind of surprised to see that so many of the winners were kind of nationally known podcasts and we were still up there. I was a little bit, I guess, heartened to uh, see that, oh. you know, we were in the mix with some of the big boys. Shane, when Shane isn't insulting members of the Sunbelt fan base, especially on the East Coast, he is providing that ray of sunshine that we desperately need to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. Thank you, Shane. That 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 was some perspective we def- desperately needed. But do you have a plug promo parting shot or even a platitude like uh, to start out with? Not really. I wasn't super prepared for it either. So I'll just go with the plug to read uh, okay. dnronline.com and okay. uh, you know read about all kinds of Sunbelt and James Madison coverage. Mm. Now, if I were, if Tips and I were su- to subscribe to the paper, would we get like a physical paper and like like a password into the 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 online version? I think so. I think you could get it mailed to you in um, Arkansas or Texas or okay. wherever okay. if you want it a day or two late. <laughs> so, would, so would you pay- autograph those copies for us, though, Shane? Yes, I see what I can do. Every everyone we want. Correct by Shane Metlin. But, <laughs> but, but you know what? They did in Arkansas for the Arkansas Democrat is that they started handing out iPads with your subscription to the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. So they were like saying, listen, we know we're going online. So here's your iPad to read us on, which I thought was a little bit genius, but also maybe a little costly. I mean, the price of it. Yeah. I just can't, I can't imagine that working out, but so far, so good. All right, plugs, parlors, and party shots. Okay, guys, let me ask you this. Do you guys like Nicolas Cage? At times. Okay. All right, Tibbs, you seem like a Nicolas Cage guy. I'll, I'll, I'll play along. Yes, I love Nicolas Cage. Mm, I need you to be more earnest. You don't have to like Nicolas Cage. I, I love some Nicolas Cage. Shane, your favorite Nicolas Cage movie. Let me hear it. Ah, favorite Nicolas Cage movie. Um, Might go with Raising Arizona. Yeah, that's a good one. Or National Treasure. Yeah. Maybe Leaving Las Vegas if you want to kill yourself. Wasn't he in Fat High Ridgemont High? Like a small part? Yeah, he might have had a small part in that, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, Sean Penn was in that. I yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Well, all right. So I, I kind of like Nicolas Cage. Like I, I like you. Like there's like dumb movies he's in, like Knowing, or there was one uh, movie in where he was like a magician who could see the future. I don't know if you've ever seen that. You know, it just this Nicolas Cage. You know, he 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 lends to every movie kind of the same thing which is a little bit of chaos and and wackiness and and and, and it more or less good acting it's just nicholas cage type acting well i saw him in his newest movie renfield starring another nicholas nicholas holt who you might know as beast in some of the x-men movies 
and their co-star they co-star with Aquafina. I don't know if you remember Aquafina. She's in uh the the uh uh the the Ten Rings movie, the the little kung fu movie, and she's funny in this too. But Renfield is about it. Start with Nicholas Holt as Renfield. He's the you know the servant of Dracula, and Dracula is played by Nicholas Cage, who who and they kind of play this off as like uh, Nicholas Cage is is sort of the alpha in a bad relationship. Like he's just in the, like 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 Renfield is just sort of this subservient, beaten down. Uh, a weak-willed person who's just desperate to get away from Dracula, who is really just 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 sort of amoral, not a redeeming bone in his body, and really is looking to take over the world. And I tell you what, you think to yourself, this could be a funny movie because you know you see the trailer and there's a lot of funniness to it, but it actually just felt more like a concept than not really a movie. Like it was like maybe a ten-minute short. It should have been that instead of like a, an hour and a half movie. So if my advice to you is to rent Renfield. Rent it on a Thursday night and then forget it by Friday. It'll be fine. That's okay. You'll enjoy it for, for the little pieces of humor that it has, and then you can move on. Exactly like our show. <laughs>